We have all heard about the great tribulation. The great tribulation. You can't miss it if you uh, speak about anything dealing with Revelation. We're right there in the midst of that great tribulation as far as our study is concerned in uh, this book. And we know that the, the tribulation, not the great tribulation, but the tribulation started with the rider on the white horse, that being Antichrist. The second one was dealing with wars, rumors of wars. The third one dealt with, um, actually, I guess you could say, hunger and starvation, famine, and then pestilence. And then we got into the fifth seal that was opened by our Lord, the Lamb, and that was martyrdom of the ones who lived during that time that were crying out for revenge. The Lord is the avenger, and so they cry out to Him and their prayers are there. And A lot of that will even be, will even be dealing with today also. And then we had a sixth seal, and the sixth seal was actually dealing with the sky and everything that was in, uh, in the air sun, the moon, the stars, the darkening, the uh, actual fright that will bring at this time will be something that is beyond our uh, imagining. Everything will be craning all over the universe, looking like stars such as asteroids and what have you, meteorites. And then that brought us to a pause in heaven. And that's what we looked at last week in chapter 7. And it dealt with two groups of people, the 144,000 and the multitudes of Gentiles who become believers during this time period. And so they are, uh, the ones that are 144,000 are like Apostle Paul's screaming out the Gospel to people. People are being saved like a great, great revival that's never been before. So here we are now in the great tribulation of chapter 8 and on. As we will see that um, it's overwhelming. The world has been going on through some really unimaginable things as we went through the first six seals. Then we have the pause in the chapter 7, which is before the seventh seal. And then today, we'll be looking at the opening of the seventh seal. That's overwhelming. The seventh trumpet will be blown. Seventh trumpet contains, I mean, the, the seven trumpets actually are in the seven seals. So you have the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowl judgments. The seven trumpet judgments and seven bowl judgments are in the seventh seal. We're getting near the time that Christ will come back. At this time, though, He is unleashing His wrath upon the world till we get to that final trumpet, the final judgment, so there are plenty of judgments to come and uh, it will happen in a short time. It will be like rapid fire machine gun. Things will happen very quickly like a woman with birth pangs. They're further apart and then they get closer and closer and then bang, bang, bang. And this is it. We're at that time. So that's what we're going to look at starting here today, the opening of the... Uh, seventh seal involving seven trumpets, but we're going to do four trumpets today. That's enough. It's too heavy to go into the last three woes, so we'll hold on that. So, uh, as Vince Scully always said before a baseball game, so pull up a chair, relax and enjoy. Let's see what God is going to say. What is his thoughts and what is his action that he's going to do in these coming days that are in the future? Let's pray. Father, great God, you are holy and you are a wonder. We are amazed at you. You give us 
living water. You give us living hope. In a time where the world has no hope, or think they have hope, but it's false, we have absolute 100% surety in what you say will come about that will lead to the kingdom. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's uh, pick up our Bibles or our phones or our notebooks, what have you. Let's stand and let's read chapter 8. This is the seventh seal. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer and much incense was given to him so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and threw it to the earth and there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. The first sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel sounded something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood and a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven burning like a torch and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of waters. The name of the star is called Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many died from the waters because they were made bitter. The fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars were struck, so that a third of them would be darkened, and the day would not shine for a third of it, and the night in the same way. Then I looked and I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. You can be seated. You ever had anybody tell you, I've got something to tell you, but first be seated. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, this is looks frightening, it sounds frightening, but to a Christian, actually we know that there has to be judgment upon this world before there is that glorious kingdom that is to come. And so, therefore, these things have to be there, and in this chapter we'll see actually saints again praying that God would bring on His judgment. We read this morning, actually, Zach did in the Psalm 26, I think it was, in the Psalter there, it spoke about God bring on judgment to the wicked and the evil. And we've already talked about that. It is biblical to do that. At the same time, we are kind of, uh, I think you could say, it's sweet and bitter. And you'll see that in chapter 10. Because it's sweet because those days are coming that we've always longed for. But it's bitter because the people who do not believe in God and the very people that many of them we know will not inherit the kingdom of God and they will have eternal hell. And that's bitter. So I do not take this lightly. I do not... Uh, Rejoice because people are going to hell. Quite the opposite. 
Matter of fact, it should drive us to give the gospel, the truth, to people who are lost. Because some of them might be ones God has chosen, and He uses our deliverance of the gospel to bring them to Him. So, however that may be, uh, prayer is powerful, folks. It's so powerful that God uses prayer in bringing on judgment. And how that works, I don't know. It's like the sovereignty of God and evangelism of God. You know, can't understand everything, and this book of Revelation is tough, but I'll tell you what, it also says it's a blessing. Let's go ahead and start at verse 1. There's a silence in heaven. As it says there, a silence in heaven. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there's silence in heaven for about a half an hour. That's interesting because it's absolutely silent. Most of the time when you look in Revelation and what we've seen so far, it's loud. All sorts of sounds are going on in heaven. And it's a joyous place, but at this time there's something coming that's worse than it's ever been. Even despite all the things we've already seen. It's like the saints there recognize the breaking of the seal. That's the Lamb who does that. He opens it up now and He says, here it is. How many seals are there? There are seven. Seven means complete. But in that seventh seal, like I say, are the seven trumpet judgments and then after that, then the seven bowl judgments, which are very close to the Lord's return at that time. Seven trumpet judgments were there now. And it's opened up the people are stunned into silence. All of heaven is silent. The scroll has been opened and it's like they see what is written on it. It gets quiet. You know, it has been said by several people and I heard uh, different sermons and you guys know what I'm going to say? Penny's already laughing when I talk about silence and quietness. And you know what they say? Now, this is what they say, and I, I don't, and it is a joke, but don't take it to heart, ladies. Uh, really, you know, women don't go to heaven, evidently, because of this evidence. Because it is quiet in heaven. And, you know, I didn't say that. Somebody else said that. There was silence. Actually, I could probably turn it back on me because I'm not usually silent when I'm here, am I? Preachers are not very silent, so therefore that doesn't hold water at all. And we know better than that. Okay. Anyway, just clarifying that. But everybody had to introduce that part with that, so I thought, okay, I'll go along with them too and just bring that forth. It got a smile and it said, let's move on. Um, it's lively, it's loud in heaven, and all of a sudden, <coughs> scroll is opened in its seventh seal. It is... Might be about 15 seconds of silence. Now multiply that 30 seconds to a minute. What would you have done if I would have stood here for 10 minutes being silent? He'd be praying. Praying for me. He's lost it. But did you get the illustration there? Really, 30 minutes of silence doesn't sound like a long time. But when it is really silent, it, you know, 30 minutes can be a long time. Some of you probably prayed for 30 minutes, probably not too often. It's hard to pray for 30 minutes. It's a long time. Maybe some of you have done it for an hour, maybe longer. But, uh, you know, we've done it, probably. And there are probably reasons why we did it, special problems, maybe. But the thing is, is that a half an hour of silence is a long time. And so it's that 30 minutes seems to probably be quite a while to them. And I saw the seven angels stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. 
super silent, and now the awe that they are in. The anticipation of this grim reality is getting ready to happen. This is it. This is the seventh seal. Frightening, terrifying, foreboding is this kind of judgment that is to come. It's taken very seriously. They are stunned into silence. Have you ever been that way? Where you heard of something and there wasn't anything you could say. Or nobody could say. And they just sat there or stood there for a while. Remember Job and his friends? They'd been in silence for a long, long time. You know, they didn't even know what to say. Where they started running into problems is where they started opening up their mouths and giving their wisdom to Job. Right, Abel? I think that's one of Abel's favorite books. And so here we are. They realize this is a big moment. Each angel has a trumpet represents judgment. They stand before God in their very presence of God. They stand before God. They are present before God. In Luke one nineteen, the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Everybody has heard of Gabriel. He was probably one of these. He could be. I won't press that. But there are divisions of angels, ranks of angels, archangels. Gabriel would be one of those. Who else would be? Michael. Well, down through traditions, there have been other names of angels, and they read them on down. You know, we don't have it in the Bible. I'm not even going to waste my time. But we have these two names. I've got a feeling that they are the ones who stand in the presence of God. He said, well, don't all the myriads of angels do that? Yes, they do. They come in the presence of God. But there's a special order and rank that God has. So, if it's Michael or Gabriel, we've been kind of introduced to them. There are seven of them. As they have seven trumpets, I would say this scene would be very impressive, wouldn't you? Seven angels now before God hear the trumpets out. Each one of them is going to blow a trumpet when their turn comes. That means here comes this judgment. Now, trumpets. I'm a musician. You guys all like music. And I like all the instruments. My favorite guitar, but uh, trumpets are okay. Matter of fact, they're biblical. They're more biblical than guitars because you find trumpets more than guitars even though there are stringed instruments in there and I, I relate them to cousins of guitars. But uh, important events were introduced by trumpets. Trumpets are used to declare war. That's right, you see that in the Bible. Trumpets were used to assemble the people. Great convocations, celebrations, feasts. Matter of fact, there was one called the Feast of Trumpets. It's like introducing a new year. A new religious year for the Jews. Uh, there were trumpets used to introduce a king. Trumpets were used to call attention to the Almighty God. Well, in Revelation, trumpets are used to announce judgment. Um, okay, let's go back to war. And let's relate that into Revelation then. The trumpet that would be like introducing war or announcing war would be found in Revelation as the last great battle that God gives or that brings on to the world Armageddon the trumpet that would uh, bring forth the assembly would be bringing the assembly of the church the called out ones the elect ones the chosen ones to gather for the kingdom of heaven 
You guys look forward to that? Boy, that's a hope, isn't it? Is it better than... Well, I sure hope that happens. We know that. The ancient words tell us that, don't they? You know what? I feel better with God's Word knowing full well that that is better than any kind of thing that I think what's going to happen to the rest of the day. After we're done here, I expect to go home. Do I know that? Pretty well. But I may not make it there. You know? You never know. But my chances are probably 99.9999 because that's what's happened before. The chances are that's what it's going to be. Well, you see, even better than knowing that, I know that we are going to be in the kingdom, those who've trusted in Christ. We know that. That hope means I know. Better than anything that I know what's going to happen here on earth right now. That's really good, isn't it? In the Word of God, great. So these trumpet judgments are going to happen So, we are to pray God's Word. It would be a good thing, as we're going to see as we go into this next section, to pray that God's judgments come. Now, that sounds like a strange request from me, doesn't it? Because we usually don't do that. But it is biblical to pray about the future. I don't wish any judgments on anybody. But for the ones who will be going to hell... They have to be judged. And so I do know that. You know what? These trumpet judgments signify the very attention that is to be given to the majesty of God. Because it's all leading to that. It's leading to the kingdom. So to us Christians, we look at it like a positive thing. Do I want to be in this stuff? No. And I don't think we will. Praise God. I'm not going to press it, but I really don't think so. We might die first. Or He could come back today and pick us up, take us out. That's okay. Matter of fact, I'd be praising God even more than that, than okay. Uh, How about the trumpets at Jericho? Everybody knows about that story, right? Jericho was about to be visited with judgment. Did that city get judged? Did everybody in that city get judged? Yes, they did. That is the justice of God. Destruction. Here, in Revelation, the whole earth is about to be visited with judgment and destruction. They had seven blasts on seven trumpets by seven priests after a sevenfold march around the city. Do you remember that? All the sevens. What's seven mean? Complete. Well, here is the great judgment here in Revelation. Seven blasts on seven trumpets by seven angels during the seven-year tribulation. How about that? Seven. Okay, now let's move to the next section. Verse 3. This is the deal with the prayers of the saints, and I've already been kind of talking about this, because I think this is really the focus of this section or uh, chapter that we're talking about today, really. At this point, another angel comes here before the trumpets start blowing. An angel comes, he stands at the altar, he has a golden censer. Verse 3, another angel came, stood at the altar, holding a golden censer, Much incense was given to him so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar which was before the throne. The smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. prayers of the saints. Another angel comes. Talking about seven. Now we have an eighth one here. Stands at this altar. There's the golden incense uh, uh, censer. There's much incense there. And it's going to be offered with the prayers of the saints upon that golden altar which is before the throne. 
the temple is laid out. You have the brazen altar. And then you go into a holy place. Brazen altars where sacrifices were done. They were done twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening. The priest would then take fires, or coals, take fire, put it into this censer, mix it with incense. Of course, you go back to all the way to the Holy of Holies, and in there, of course, on one side is what? You have the light, which is representing the light of the world. You, you think of the um, seven um, candlestick uh, menorah. You think of the bread that is there, the bread of life, right? It's all representing Christ. You go back further, and right at the end of that, uh, uh, the holy place is the altar of incense. And then further back is the holy of holies representing the very dwelling of God. So, now the priest goes back to that veil. The altar of incense is right in front of it. He's not going into the Holy of Holies and he does this twice a day. And that is now representing the prayers of the saints. As he lights that and the smoke goes on up and that pleases God because the sacrifice has gone to his nostrils in that sense. He is pleased with the sacrifice of the people This is representing the prayers and he recognizes that. And so that is the scene that we have here just before the first trumpet is blown. I want to tell you, the angel is going to throw this fire, this, you know, that's really part of the sacrifice and then the prayers of the saints are thrown to the earth. And fire, you're going to see a lot in this chapter here. It's fire, fire, fire. Burning, burning, burning. Well, I want to tell you something. The trumpets that now are blown are the answers to the prayers of the saints. The ones that are there. There have already been saints that were killed during earlier. In chapter 6, if you will remember Chapter 6, verse 10, where they said, How long, O Lord, until righteousness and justice is done? And then the vengeance is going to follow. Well, this is another group that's added on to this now. They're killed because of their faithful witness. Because they are believers during this time period. Because of the witness of the 144,000. Remember that revival that we talked about last week? Guess what's going to happen to them? Well, and we saw that in chapter 7, this multitude and nations and tribes and tongues, that there they are now, and they're praising God at this place. That is, really, it's heaven, the place of God. So, you know, we say this prayer, I said in my prayer early, earlier, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that. Do you do you think about each word that you're saying this? Our Father. So it'd be a great prayer. Just think on what Father means. He lives in heaven. That's his abode. Hallowed, holy is your name. If you did nothing but say, Lord, you are holy. You are pure. You're undefiled. You are perfect, righteous. Think about those characteristics. Hallowed be Thy name. Everything that is about Him. Thy kingdom come. Bring Your kingdom, Lord, that it is going to be here on earth like it is in heaven without sin. Isn't that really our desire? To do that, He has to sweep it clean. More than sweep it. He'll have to purify it. But it's about the future. These prayers of the saints are about the future. Bring the kingdom on. How often have you prayed that? Probably a lot. Lord, we're ready. Come quickly, Lord, right? So this is really hope to us. We see all these things coming up and it looks frightening and scary. Believers should not be scared of it. This is God's Word. It's a comfort in a, in a sense, really knowing He's going to do what He said that He was going to do.
So our prayers should have a future thrust to Him. Thank You, Lord, for what You have done in the past. Thank You, Lord, for saving me. Thank You, Lord, for what You're doing in my life right now. Thank You for delivering me from whatever that You've just been battling. Thank You, Lord, for what You're going to do. Thank You, Lord, that we have the presence of knowledge from Your Word that we have a kingdom to look forward to. Isn't that upbeat? I don't give a downbeat message to us. This is all good. It's a good thing. Well, the incense is going upward. That's what it is symbolizing here. Right into the Holy of Holies. And of course, going to that golden altar of incense, that priest would ignite it and the incense would go upward. God is pleased. This is what is happening as a result of that as the angel throws this to earth. What an arm this angel has to go from the heavens to the earth. There's a flaming ball coming out of heaven that smashes into the earth like a celestial comet. Some kind of fire, a meteorite, something along the line. It's destructive. And, you know, a devastating earthquake is going to happen as a result. This is because of the prayers of the saints. Wow! You know what that tells me? The saints' prayers are effective. God wants us to pray. It's the very breath of a Christian. And He says, okay, the time has come. And then the angel throws it here. A powerful angel hurls this thing out of heaven and it crashes into the earth. What an amazing connection here, folks. That censer in the angel's hand is linked to the prayers of the people of God as it comes hurling down to the earth. The final holocaust of judgment is hurled to the earth The seventh seal is in direct response to the prayers of His believers. You like that? An amazing thing is happening at this time. So, are you ready? We've opened the seal. Let's check out the trumpet. The first trumpet. And we're at verse 6. The seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. Verse 7, the first sounded and there came hail and fire mixed with blood and they were thrown to the earth and a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up and all the grass was burned up. Green grass. So, we all remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? That was God doing something literally. He burned that whole area up. He burned it up. Torched it. All the cities of that plain, you remember, were a part of this in Genesis 19. God sent fire out of the sky to destroy them. Do you literally believe that? Absolutely. Why would somebody not believe that these things wouldn't happen in the future? He's already done it. He's judged, but this future judgment is going to be much more impactful than a little local judgment. It's going to be global. Chapter 6, you remember the collapse of the sky, the scroll is rolled back, the earth started to shake and quake, you remember that? Well, this time we have an earthquake, and I got a feeling it's quaking even more than before. It's probably the severest shaking yet. People get scared when they are in part of a trembling. We here in Missouri have had tremors. I've felt it a little bit, not much to speak of. Uh, sometimes I even, I even heard it. I was in a church revival one time, and man, that, pre- that preacher was really preaching. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, there was a rumbling. And somebody thought it was uh, the railroad, which was about a, a quarter of a mile from there. That, you know, maybe the train went by. 
And we come to find out, no, that was a little shaking going on there. And it, we weren't shakers or Quakers. <laughs> you know, we were a Baptist church. But this preacher was preaching a mighty hot revival, and I think he was on Revelation, to be honest with you. I was a kid, but I'll tell you what, it was weird, and somebody said, yeah, it sounded just like a train. Have you ever heard of that before? Well, it did to me, and I've heard that sound before. When we had the tornado, it sounded like a train also. You know, there's a little bit of uh, hesitance when you hear something like that. It's a little scary. You wonder, what should, what do I do? You know, do I run? Do I hit the ground? Do I, I don't have a basement. <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? Uh, those are just, those are little. Even despite the fact of all the damage that many earthquakes have done, man, I mean, it's been immense. But these earthquakes that we see at this time, you know, you can't compare to. They go off the scale. What is it, 10? Magnitude, that's as far as you can go, right? Let's call these 20s. I don't even know what that means. But I will tell you that it will trigger volcanic eruptions. There could be lava just raining all over. You've heard of acid rain. All of this stuff coming down. Leon Morris, scientist who's a Christian, said it's possible that worldwide volcanic explosions would be a normal consequence of a worldwide violent earthquake the masses of water vapor blown skyward might well condense in the intense updraft as hailstones and showers of burning lava might well be cast upon the earth they go up and then they come back down kind of like what happened to the great fountains of the earth and the earthquakes that happened at the flood as it came up, and then that's what happened while you had uh, like the polar ice caps and such and frozen land. Uh, you've got contamination with dust and gases. That could definitely make an appearance blood red. Maybe it's entrapping people and blood comes there and it goes shooting up along with the, what the earthquake would happen and or actually the volcanoes and you have raining asteroids raining meteorites coming to the earth that could be good sized causing more volcanic eruptions flaming fragments of shattered comet complex of rain and hail together coming down blood red is the sky with the smoke that goes up and it says here that a third of the earth is burned up. A third of it. And then it goes on to say a third of the trees, the earth's forest, are going to be devastated. A third of them. That, uh, you'd say, well, that leaves two-thirds of them left. Well, for whatever's left to come, uh, they're not going to last long. Uh God is doing devastation here in incredible ways that has never been done. And then all the green grass is burned up. No shrubs, no grass, no vegetation, no crops. It's destroying animals. You can imagine the massive death of animals in this and even people. Crops are totally devastated. That would provide food not only for animals but also for people. And that would definitely be a scary situation if you were trying to live off the land. Uh, and some people probably are going to try to have to do that because they can't buy or sell. Food is directly going to be destroyed. The earth becomes devastated. The globe is scorched. All the grass. Now, I want to tell you, Climate control is a big issue. It has been for a few decades and they're pushing it bigger now than ever before. People worry about the ozone. They don't have to. The thing is, is God's going to destroy the ozone layer. We're not. He's going to do it. He's, can you imagine everything flying out of the sky is going to do a number on the ozone layer? It's just going to break it and stretch it. God will get involved in global warming. Let me tell you, they haven't seen global warming. 
God is going to bring it on because we're talking about fire, earth burning up. If they're talking about global warming, maybe they're talking about what God is going to do. I don't think so. They don't know God. They wouldn't believe that God would do this even if they did believe in God. God is going to turn up the heat a little bit more And like I've been saying to you all along, if you think we're messing up the world, wait till you see what God does to it. Isn't that great? Mankind is so worried about what's happening, it is not going to be anything compared to what He will do. Their God is creation. They don't know it. They don't believe in creation. But they make things idols. Mankind always has. Their God actually is the Creator, but they don't recognize that. So, the first trumpet, we have hail and fire and blood and things being destroyed like the trees, the grass. Go to the second trumpet. Verses 8 and 9. You say, how can anybody live through this? Some of them do. God keeps some of them alive. We've already seen where probably over half have already died by now before this. The second angel sounded something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood and a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died and a third of the ships were destroyed. So the first trumpet was dealing with what? The damage done to the earth. Now, that's not enough. There is now going to be damage to the seas. We're talking about land, now the seas. Interesting, isn't it? Everything that we know of. Uh, Something like a great mountain. Something like a great... It's not necessarily a mountain like a volcano blows off and goes up. But it's like that. Um... I just saw some statistics on this this morning and I'd like to have had it where I'd had graphics for you and I'll get it. This is going to be as loose as can be. But if you were to take a mountain that would be like about 10 miles, that's not a huge mountain, is it? If you were to go 10 miles, you ever been out west? Well, you just came from the west, right? You were out in Utah. You were up in the mountains. Would you say that a lot of those mountains were bigger than 10 miles? Easily, right? But let's just take a small mountain of 10 miles. Yeah, just a hill. Take something like that. And like I'm saying, I'm comparing this. It says it's like. So when God says like or John says like, he's comparing it to something that we can at least get some kind of handle. That's what it looked like to him. Whatever it is, a mountain is usually huge when you think of it. They use ten, about like 10 miles, let's say, of this one mountain that he was familiar with. And if that landed out in the ocean, something like, I don't know, it seemed like it was a thousand miles away. You say, well, at least that's far enough, we don't have to worry about it. Well, this size of a mountain, if it came crashing into the ocean, would cause the waves to go up 200 feet when it hits the shore. So if you're living there, can you imagine looking up to... You ever seen a water tower that's 100 feet? Multiply that a couple of times or whatever. And imagine that coming down to earth. What is that called? Tsunami. Tsunami. We've had tsunamis. Down through history there have been tsunamis that are devastating. 
more than devastating. This is something that would go well inland, who knows how far. And that's using the idea of uh, a mountain of, of that size. Whatever it is, some meteor, meteorite, some asteroid, the scientists are always scared and they're looking this up. That's how Connie knew those numbers. Because they've done studies on what would happen if something, a great big huge piece of an asteroid would be coming down and landing into the oceans. They'd more, be more likely to land on the ocean since the earth is made up of uh, isn't three-fourths of it water. So it'd be a likely chance to land in water. Fiery explosions coming there, flaming balls. So they study these kind of things and they have these kind of numbers. So who knows all what it can be. But the third of the sea becomes blood. A third of it. Fiery explosions going on here. Gases around it. Smoke which blankets the sun and the, and the moon. Has a reddish color. Henry Morris writes this, the ability to turn water into blood either by filling it with the actual blood of dead animals or more likely by transforming it chemically or biochemically into blood red water poisoned by multitudes of dead microorganisms as in the well-known red tides. Have you heard of red tides? They've happened in our time. They have, ask people down in Florida and you'll see a red ocean for a little bit of time and microorganisms and such. And, and uh, Anyway, it would make an impression upon the writer of Psalms like in 78, Psalm 105 of this kind of uh, red tides and, and what's coming out of the sky into the ocean. Uh, can you imagine a third of the world's oceans becoming blood-like? It can be imagined, can't it? Because we've seen it even in our times. We've seen pictures of them. The creatures die. You can imagine, if you have a tsunami, how are the creatures in the sea going to be able to live through that? How about the save the whale folks? What about them? Well, whales are going to be affected no matter their size too. Uh, poisoning a third of the sea is going to kill a third of the population of, of organisms, microorganisms, to the large whales, to the fish, it's going to take them out. I want to tell you that food chain will be terribly disrupted that's in the sea. It's probably some of you eat fish. Some of you might eat a lot of fish. Well, it would be very hard to get fish, the ocean fish that we are all well acquainted with. Food is going to be hard to come by at this time. It already is. We've already seen that in the, what, the third, uh, third seal. Tidal wave, third of the ships in the world. You can imagine third of the ships out on the ocean. They're madly disrupted. Commerce will be affected in a huge way at that time. No fishing, no ships, no transport. How it will be affected. So that's the second trumpet. This is massive. You can say, well, I can't imagine that being worse than anything we've had before. Why can't we imagine that? I'm sure people didn't believe that there could be a worldwide flood because they'd never even seen a flood. So therefore, that's just stupid. They said to Noah for 120 years. Well, God has given this for 2,000 years and people are not prepared for when this could literally come. And I think when it says all of these things, this is literal stuff that's going to be happening. Let's go to the third trumpet. And then we will have a fourth trumpet. And we will stop there. The third trumpet is dealing with a great star found in verse 10. The third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven burning like a torch and it fell on a third of the rivers and the springs of the waters 
The name of the star is called Wormwood, and a third of the waters become Wormwood. And many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. Third trumpet, great star, the word there, we've used it before, is Asteros. Asteros. Asteroid star. It's probably not a star or the sun. We would be gone way before it would ever hit. We know that. But it's a celestial body like an asteroid, something in that sense. It's like a, it's a torch. Comes through the atmosphere, disintegrates, and then it spreads all over the globe. Now we already talked about this hitting, what, the oceans? That's salt water. Okay, I can do without ocean fish. Just don't take my catfish away, though, you know, out of, out of the, the clean living streams, right? Well, that's what happens here. Rivers, springs of waters everywhere. That means wells. It means every place where you, you get this. And again, we're talking about, what, a third of this happening again, right? It's, it's a third of the rivers. and So it's, there's still going to be fresh water, but boy, it's going to be hard to, to catch. We have now seen what? What happens on the land? In the atmosphere, the sky, now in the oceans, and now in the fresh water. This is like everything. Trees, grass, you name it. The waters which we value so much. And here comes this Asteros. Luke 21.11 says, Fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Fearful sights from heaven. If I were here looking at this, if I didn't know who it was coming from, I would be scared to death. I think it literally would kill people to see some of this happening. Or a lot of them would probably like to be killed by it and they can't die. It's a celestial body and it's disintegrating everywhere. It's a gaseous fire you can imagine touching the springs and the rivers. Wells, just water that's clean that you drink from. That is serious. A third, you can live for a while without all the crops, right? Um, some food is stockpiled, it's canned, it's put in places. Certain things are preserved. You may not get it as quickly and as easily as you wanted to. You can live for a while without the ocean, ocean fish, without seawater, but you can't live without fresh water. You have to have it. God has given us such a thirst. We are told sometimes we can be dehydrated. If you've been dehydrated, you might probably have had that happen or get extremely thirsty where, you, man, you can't even, you don't have any energy to do anything. It just zaps you. And I think they said Bradley might have been dehydrated. There's probably other things to it. And I think Michael is saying. And sometimes, no matter how many tests they run, you know, they, they, they give us maybe some answers. To get, do we believe them? Sometimes we do. Sometimes we go, oh, I'm not so sure about that. But um, at any rate, to be dehydrated is something. Can you imagine being dehydrated, going for days without what... See, God has given us something built in that finally we can get dehydrated and still live on. But it comes to the point, well, maybe I need a drink of water. You know what? I haven't drank water all day. It could be nine at night and go, I haven't drank anything yet. No wonder I feel this way. Have you guys ever had that happen? I have. Boy, it makes you feel like you, you know, you, you're zapped. Well, many people... Are going to die. They're going to thirst to death because they can't get any water. Wormwood. Some might say, "What is it? Worm that's in a tree? That's in the wood?" It's a Greek word, absinthos. It's a deadly liquor substance. It's a poison, and 
it's suggested that it's a poison derived from some kind of root. It's bitter. It's poison. The Old Testament people wrote about it in writing of Moses, Deuteronomy 29.18. You'll see this word, wormwood. I don't hear it bannered about in our time that we live in. Here in Missouri, I don't think I've seen a wormwood. But it says there will be, uh, let's see, there will not be among you a man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns in a way today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of those nations that there will not be among you a root-bearing poisonous fruit and wormwood. So wormwood is mentioned there. We'll see that it's linked with, I think in Proverbs 5, 4 and more and more, you'll see that there's a bitterness to it. It's a, it's a root. Proverbs 5, 4. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. There, it's talking about immorality. And it's bitter. Eventually, it'll come back to bite you. It seems so good, immorality does to people who had no conscience. And then, look what they result and get out of it. It's bitter as wormwood. Whatever it is, it's probably the most bitter thing that could actually be tasted. It's a poison. It's actually deadly. And it's lethal. Many people are going to die because lack of water. Others are going to try to drink this stuff. It's poisonous. The rivers will still run, but they'll run with deadly poison. The wells are full, but they're full of death. The lakes are just rippling with this deadly water. Wormwood. Let's go to the last trumpet that we're going to look at today, the fourth trumpet. And here, I think it'd be good to turn to Luke 21.11 near the end times. I might have read this earlier. And there will be great earthquakes in various places, plagues and famines, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. The earth is burning up, destroying, poisoning everything. It's all coming from the heavens. We've dealt with land, we've dealt with salt water, we've dealt with fresh water, and now we look up. We've seen this before in Revelation 6, only this is worse. There's going to be some kind of an eclipse that strikes the sun, strikes the moon, strikes the stars. A third of the sun, a third of the moon, a third of the stars. You get a third of the sun at daytime. Uh, let's say 12 hours, a third of that would be 4 hours, so rather than, let's say in the summertime or whatever, let's say all of a sudden maybe at 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, it gets dark all around the earth. Uh, what just happened here is for the sun is blocked a third and cools down the earth, the temperature's going to be up and down. Well, could anything be worse than what we've just read? Verse 13, I looked and heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven saying, an eagle is saying this with a loud voice, Whoa! 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 How many is that? Three? We've had four. There's nothing worse than woe. Because whenever Jesus pronounced woe to the Pharisees, He was saying, that they're going to be damned. They're going to be judged. Judged severely. Woe to you Pharisees, scribes, you hypocrites. He kept saying that and saying it. This eagle is saying, whoa, whoa, there's three. We've done four. There's three more trumpet blasts to come. The first four trumpets are unimaginable but they're nothing like the three that is yet to come. So when you pray, folks, you're going to get your prayers answered. Sometime, all of this will be done. 
you're tired of what the president and all the ones who are following that flow of thought of what they're doing? God's taking notice. He knows full well what is happening. And He will judge it in due time. We might see it. We may not. It doesn't matter. He's going to do it. But I pray that He would bring justice to all those that deny the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and do what they do. Their injustice to people who don't deserve it. So when these trumpets once give their blast, the vibration is going to run through the whole universe. And everything created for human beings to enjoy, and that we have, haven't we? We've enjoyed the waters of this land. My, we're one of the only countries in this world that has the water that we can turn on the tap and drink from it and know we're okay. You know what? I had a caller the other day, and Zach knows full well what sometimes you know your calls can be really the strangest. Well, it was kind of a strange call. She says, "Is it okay to drink water out of the tap?" She says, "I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not from this country." I couldn't tell whether she was. A, uh, it was a Spanish accent, or actually, it almost sounded like European, East European, or something. I couldn't get it, but I could. I could understand what she was saying in the sense, can I, can I drink out of the water? And I said, well, what are you talking about? She says, well, in my country that I'm from, I, I just moved here and we, we're not, we can't drink the water out of the tap. I go, out of the faucet. And I go, really? I should have asked her where she was from. But I was just saying, well, first of all, it, there might be a boil order right now. Is that what you're talking about? She says, a bo- what? What's a boil order? <laughs> And so I didn't try to describe that. I just said, well, you know what? You might call your local water company that's in your city and see if they're, just ask them if there's a boil order. And she says, well, I'm not, and then she told me she's not heard of a boil order. Um, and so therefore, it really wasn't, she wasn't that, it wasn't that, it's because she couldn't believe you could actually drink water. You can do that here? And I go, yeah, absolutely. Most places, they don't get the quality that we get. Believe it or not. Now, you might hate the taste of Jeff City water, and I don't blame you. There are filters for that, though. But uh, I will tell you, it's safe to drink. It's okay. Isn't that great? Sometimes we forget about thanking God for the water that He gives us. How about the air that we breathe? What's the air going to be like at this time? God, thank you for all that you. We forget about. It. We just take it for granted, you know. In the you know the food that we eat, you know the vegetables and all that. Man, just think how hard it will be for those people to even get that at that time. It makes us say, "Thank you, Lord." You know, a mark of a believer is that he's always giving thanks. And the days of Noah, people were warned. They were warned by Noah. He preached it every day by building that ark. And then the judgment came. Eight people were saved. They're being warned today. Right here it is. Maybe somebody might read this passage and go, Whoa, what, what does this mean? And it might make them think, That's scary. Might make them think. Who knows? I don't know. But I will tell you that the warning of all of this stuff that we've talked about here and talked about before and what is to come is just before the time that Christ comes back. What a judgment. But take it with grace if you're a Christian. You can walk out of here and have all the hope that you ever have because I will tell you that He protects you no matter what, through the thick and the thin. And I am blessed to be able to read this and not be horrified. Because our God is just letting us know beforehand. Oh, if the lost could hear this before it happens and turn to the Lord and repent and trust in the Savior, Jesus Christ. That's in our prayers too, isn't it? Bring it on, Lord. 
And also save such and such, such and such. You know their names. Keep praying for them. Don't ever give up. Because there will be people saved all during that great tribulation. The gospel is powerful. Our prayers, folks, are powerful. Do you believe it? Father in heaven, great God, we know that you hear our prayers. Our prayers that we're talking about today. You've given us your word and the best thing to do is to pray your scripture. And we happen to be in this scripture. It's hard to pray. But yes, we want you to come back and do whatever is necessary for that to happen. We want this heavens and earth to be without any sin. We look for that day. It's glorious. We believe it. You are a great God, and that's really what we're talking about. This revelation is not to be bent up in so many symbols and judgments and all those things. Lord, we know that ultimately revelation reveals the Son of God. And whatever I interpret out of this that could be wrong or right, the biggest thing that I want to get out of it in all of us is that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. He is revealed in this book. His attributes are to be glorified. And in that we take great hope. In Jesus' name, Amen. I've got a lady here.